perfect. Thank you. Round of applause. So I woke up this morning and uh, my uh, daughter lives across the hall and, and her daughter lives there too. And uh, the door burst open and first the orange cat comes. Theoretically that orange cat is our orange cat, but it lives next door. <laughs> uh, and we have a three-legged cat uh, who lives in our apartment, but she belongs to them. And somehow the language barrier has been such that we haven't been able to uh, connect that in their brains. Um, so I, I had a cup of coffee with my daughter and we had an awesome time. Uh, and she talked about uh, being here maybe this morning, which would have been uh, really awesome. Um, so I got into information mode and I went upstairs and I started kind of moving the stuff around on the PowerPoint and wanted to, wanted to do the best thing I possibly could for you folks. And so I got in information mode, which is a Western culture mode. We're all about information. Um, the internet is information uh, times a billion. Actually, uh, the, the terabyte, and then there's another byte beyond that, and then there's another byte beyond that. And in that realm of beyond the terabyte, that's the kind of the amount of information we add to our knowledge every day. So I, I can get into that mode, not very often, but I can. And so I was thinking, you know, these guys are gonna love this. Uh, it's, I can really transfer some information. And I came downstairs and I wore black clothes because it makes me look thinner. Uh, and so uh, I looked down and I was covered with cat hair. An eight pound cat missing one leg produces five pounds of fur a day. <laughs> and so, and I looked down and then I realized my total lack of perfection. Uh, but the thing is, you're only good if you're perfect. Uh, I've heard it said that second place is first loser. I've never, I, the, the best I've ever done is first loser. So, uh, so that all flooded in me this morning. And then, and then there was a song and the song said, you left the 99 for me. And I'm thinking, oh my God, that can't be me. And I really, I've been at this Christian thing since I was eight years old, on and off. So there may be 40 years in there or more that I wasn't doing this Christian thing, but I've been here long enough that I should have that kind of in my being, but it's not there yet. Uh, so maybe next week, pretty sure. If you heard me talk next week, I would be triumphant. <laughs> uh, but this isn't next week. <clears throat> so. How do I get this? Okay. We're gonna make the magic happen. Yeah, it's all, it's already all there, right. so it's probably on that thing. And you got a cable? Yeah, the cable is here. And it's down in the HDMI. 
Seems like it should be working, Ken. <laughs> oh, so what we're going to do? Okay, now it's working. No, it's You should like see this picture. It's awesome. Oh, it does. It looks fantastic. Very colorful. And we'll try this button. <laughs> or you can start talking and I can fuss with this and What would you say? Yeah, the the little yeah, that's the button that I want to push right now. Which one? Which is what we'll do is we'll exit out of your show. And then we'll push this button right here. Oh, wait. Yeah, so the little button that's on my Mac does not show up on yours. Screen mirroring button. All right. Uh, let's see. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> we should have this done by 12. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not seeing okay. the projector. That is the problem. Okay. Yeah. I may have just gotten it. I think we got it, Ken. Use a separate display. Oh, let's try mirrored. Yeah, yeah, try. Show. Ha. Okay. Okay, so uh, who are they, meaning they, the big they out there, and who are they, the little they, uh, just people <coughs> that we kind of run into here and there in our lives? Who are we? I think most of us are a natural we, but we're not a, we don't contemplate the we-ness of, of we. Um, and then what could an us look like? There is an us here. The us is palpable. When I walk in the door, I know that there's an us. And the us that I've seen in the uh, five times, this is the fifth time, the us uh, that I've seen has been absolutely amazing to me because there's love in this place and there's kindness in this place. Uh, and I think that's amazing. Um, the thing is that they, whoever they are, can't begin the process of usness with us without us going and finding them uh, and, and having them and recognizing them. Uh, in Africa, in certain parts of Africa, when you uh, past somebody uh, walking through a desert or in a village or whatever, um, the greeting is, uh, for many people, I see you. 
uh, in my neighborhood, um, it was when we moved in, it was largely African American, and everybody greeted everybody. Not with I see you, but with a hi or hey or how you doing, or something like that, saying, I see you. Uh, now that we, our neighborhood is full of apartment buildings, but probably 20 or 25 in the last less than 10 years, uh, people are um, not doing that uh, because Western culture folks were pretty enclosed very often. There's the occasional person that, as they're walking past you, says hi, and it's startling for most of us. Um, so that's where we're headed is we could be those people that startle people with our kindness. Wouldn't that be awesome? I think, therefore I am. Uh, a few hundred years ago, 400, 600 years ago, something like that, a guy named Descartes said, I, I want to figure out who I am. Um, what can I know? Is, is there anything I can know? Is this all a big, uh, all a big uh, kind of panoramic uh, view that is, that is telling me what reality is, but there's nothing there? And finally, he said, I think. That's the one thing I know. I think, therefore, I am. Uh, we're the advanced society. I, in my own little siloed self, uh, know that existence exists because I am. Um, but I uh, have spent a lot of time in my life with people who live outdoors, with people, Native Americans, and so on like that. And they would say, because we are, I exist. My existence is predicated upon the, uh, the uh, fact that there's a we here. And I'm seeing that in this place, that there's, a, there's an us here. Um, and, that's, and what I want to see is that being extended. We're information-based as the church world, I mean, uh, imagine that a, a person who wants to become a pastor, for example. Pastor is a person who loves people uh, and gets paid for it, I guess. Um, a, a pastor is someone who is recognized as a lover of people, whether they get paid or not. Okay, how do you make a pastor in the United States of America or in all of Western culture? You get them through college, and then through a master's degree, and then on to a doctorate degree. Oftentimes, that person that comes out the end of this long shoot has no experience with caring about human beings because that's not, in Western culture, that's not our, that's not our thing. Um, and, but they are relationship-based. In downtown Portland, uh, I would, uh, somebody would say uh, something about physics. Uh, akin to rocks can roll uphill all by themselves. And I used to counter that, and then I got smart, and I said, who told you that? And when they said, who told them that, I realized I can't counter that because that person has a relationship deeper than I have relationship. So their science was predicated on relationship. Good, bad, uh, doesn't matter. That's the way it is in most of the world. Okay, difference. Here's some difference here that is notably different. 
Uh, have you ever seen noodling on TV? Okay, so noodling. Pardon? I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I came here this morning to tell you about noodling because it will, it will change your life. Okay. A bunch of pickup trucks um, converge on a spot uh, beside a river somewhere in the south. Um, and guys hop out of that thing. Um, and they walk into the water, and they begin feeling along the shore. And there are holes along the shore. And you, uh, you notice this gentleman. He discovered this catfish in a cave or a hole along the shore, and he jammed his hand down its throat. And then he picked it up. And then he lifted it up. You can see, he's, look, look, and everybody is laughing and hollering. Uh, there were probably alcohol involved and, and so on like that. Uh, but also in the process of, of uh, noodling and trying to catch a catfish, uh, there are snapping turtles. And they live in holes along the side of the river. So number one, I'll never stick my hand down a fish's throat. And number two, I'll never do it in a situation where I can get my hand cut off either. It's just me. Um, there's a difference. We look down on, on each other. So if someone uh, from the noodling faction of humanity was to see this guy in all this stuff standing in the middle of the river, being careful not to get wet, and and whipping this uh, visible line back and forth and back and forth and so on like that. There would be lots of laughter. There would be lots of uh, humor about that. And then this fly fisherman who has just spent $2,500 on his equipment plus $60,000 for a vehicle to get there, um, he will laugh at the foolish people who stick their hand down fish's throats. Uh, who has the most fun? Well, I do know that the fly fishing guy most likely is by himself. It's a very solitary sport. I do know also that the guy with a f his hand down a fish's throat is with a gang of guys uh, who love being together. Okay, charcuterie. I knew I've learned what charcuterie is in the last two years of my life. I have lived my whole life not knowing what charcuterie is. If you don't know what charcuterie is, <laughs> it's fancy sliced meats, cheese, olives, and so on like that. Um, spam, on the other hand, needs no introduction. But maybe it does. Uh, has anybody not had spam? Has, has somebody, okay, spam, okay. <laughs> it, it is. It has is, it is reconstituted pork and other items. <laughs> so you, essentially, you take a pig and you cut it into pieces and you sell the good pieces to... Um, <laughs> to, for, to make charcuterie. And the, and the rest that is left over is for people like me. Fried Spam and a baked potato slathered in butter and salt and pepper. Uh, that's life. Um, how about if we could admire the person uh, 
who has uh, the ability to enjoy uh, a flavorful meal uh, in a different way than us. And, and uh, could we learn from them? Uh, could we enjoy them, just enjoy the sheer human enjoyment of being together? Okay. Perceptions. This is how we see them. When I say we, that's, you know, there's so many holes in we, uh, but what I'm saying is we, in the church world, uh, we see um, pagans, sinners, and so on like that. Um, we, that's what they're doing to us. We live in Portland, and Portland is giving us the finger. Uh, and we're a little bit upset about it sometimes. Uh, the rebel. Uh, what do you do when you walk by a wet paint sign? I have to touch it. I am compelled to touch it. My wife is holding my hand, trying to keep me from uh, not touching it. But I, I have to know, is it really wet? Is it really that wet that it needs a sign? Um, we can't follow rules. It's, we hate them, but we can't... Oh, I mean, excuse me, they. Uh, they... Um, can't follow rules. They don't understand them, they don't want them, they hate them. They have a low coefficient of survival. So if they landed in a church setting and the sermon happened to be a little bit harsh on something or someone that they are, they'll just quietly go away with their head down and never come back. Probably won't be mad, they just, they'll just go away. They're relational and they're fun-loving. That's, uh, that pretty well describes the city of Portland. Perseverer, on the other hand, is a different breed of cat. Uh, they love rules. They've never, met, and they've never encountered a rule that they didn't like. And they pile rule upon rule upon uh, rule. They, um, they just love it. They have a high coefficient of survival, meaning that if, you, if they feel threatened in any way, they will attack you and throw you out from their presence. Uh, so the, the separation happens, but a different, different way. Um, they're hard workies, workers. They're informational instead of relational. Uh, they have uh, kind of a, a less excitement about fun, like noodling, for example. <laughs> You're not going to sell that to perseverers. Um, uh, there was a, a guy who a few years ago was a was a he's, was into uh, personality types, but he was he did it for NASA, so he and he led it for NASA, so he was way up there. And uh, a guy from Eastside Foursquare in Seattle said, "Would you do me a favor and would you find out who we are in the Foursquare Church? Are we perseverers or are, are we rebels?" And the guy said, uh, when he came back uh, with the information, he said, if you had told me what I would have found, I would not have believed you. I would assume that you were crazy or lying. 90% of people in the Foursquare Church are perseverers. And so then my friend asked, okay, what's the dominant personality type in the United States? 
and uh, it is the rebel. So we're not making a lot of headway here. We're going to have to do something different than, than what we've done. Now, when I say we, I'm talking about the wig, big we, because you folks have been entirely friendly, and you haven't been shocked by my um, behavior. Uh, the recession has ended. No, it hasn't. It may have, it has, recent, uh, uh, has ended for me. It's ended for a lot of us here. But there are millions and millions of people that still don't have medical insurance, that still don't have jobs that pay. So the person that's selling you your coffee or your grocery clerk or something like that likely cannot afford to live in Portland, Oregon, not in this neighborhood. Uh, so what do we do now? The answer is, I don't know. I really do. You know, I, I'm the expert here, um, but I don't know. Inescapable shock. We ask people, why do they keep doing that? Why don't they just stop it? Why don't they just stop doing that? That has been our mantra for centuries. And the answer is, when you get hit hard enough, long enough, you literally cannot escape even when the door is open. And they, they did, how they discovered this as a, as a mammalian trait is they took dogs. This is the cruelest um, experiment that I've heard of, uh, but, it was, but it at least gave us some information. And the information was this. We put these dogs in a cage and then we shocked them to the point that they evacu evacuated their bowels and urinated. That's how badly they were shocked. And we did this for a long period of time, just over and over and over again, and then we opened the cage door. And when they were shocked, they stayed. So we're wandering around wondering, why are these people doing this? Why can't they stop doing it? And the answer is, maybe they have an inescapable shop. Uh, uh, shock. Um, but we do have uh, labels for them, lazy, rebellious, criminal, lost, worthless, inferior, deficient, or sinner. Sinner is the big one for the church world. I realized this morning that I suffer from inescapable shock in so many areas of my life where I just can't move. The cage door is open, it's totally open, but I can't get out. Um, boy, you're gonna really respect me by the time we get done today. <laughs> we have secret codes. All cultures have um, secret codes. We know what our secret codes are, but we actually don't know what our secret codes are. If I asked you, what are the secret codes of this place uh, now, would we be able to give maybe 100 secret codes, maybe 200, maybe 500 secret codes of, of this room or of this people or of America or of middle class or something like that? The answer is we, we are unaware of them. We've learned them by a process of osmosis that never goes to our conscious brain, but we know it feels right and we know when somebody violates it. You're standing in a grocery line and somebody uh, who's in a hurry uh, gets in front of you. Uh, there's a violation there and you know it and I know it, 
but that person might not know the code. Um, it's, um, what, I, what I want to say about codes is everybody has codes. And we look at their codes and we think, boy, that's lame. And they look at our codes and think, boy, that's lame. But actually, we could learn to code switch. So when I, when I talk here, um, I have a certain genteel ambiance about me. My language is dominant culture English, expletives removed. In downtown Portland, on the other hand, uh, my code down there is more colorful uh, in that respect. And I think um, we can learn to do that. My friend Vern said, Ken, you're so cute when you swear. And so I learned that I had to up my game. And I am really good now. Nobody in downtown says I'm cute when I swear. They just know that I can speak the language without an accent. Uh, and I, I find that is really fun. So what does our neighborhood? There's an our neighborhood here. Uh, do you recognize any of these buildings? Okay, so, so go out to Belmont and down one block and this pink building is there. It's a grocery store. It's been there since long before I ever got to uh, Portland, Oregon. And then the uh, one in the lower left-hand corner uh, is this church. And the one in the lower right-hand corner is any block in Belmont is going to look like this. Um, the boundaries of Belmont, there's the official boundaries that uh, goes, I think, to uh, the park over there, Laurelhurst Park on Stark, goes up to 49th, and it goes down to 20th or something like that, and then all the way over to Hawthorne. Uh, my understanding of the neighborhood is Belmont Street. And it goes from 39th down to 30th, and that's it. And that's, that's the one that I knew because we used to come here uh, when we needed a rest and to get out of what we were doing. Okay. So the Belmont neighborhood, by the way, is not Belmont neighborhood. It's Sunnyside. But nobody knows that because that's an old, old, old name that's pretty well gone. So this is the Sunnyside neighborhood, Portland, Oregon. Same neighborhood, different name. So what do you see about these people? Well, it's hard to see, but there's probably enough for you to get an idea. Uh, what are these people like? Pardon? They like being outside, yes. They like to socialize. What do they look like? They look like they're having fun. An older generation. Wow. That's a, that's a perspective from a place. <laughs> okay. They look suburban. But in many ways, they look like you. In other words, you walking in on Belmont or anywhere in Belmont, nobody's going to call the cops on you. Nobody's going to notice you uh, unless you're... Um, especially something out of the ordinary. Otherwise, you, you, we all look more or less uh, like the people in Belmont. Turns out that they, uh, in contrast to uh, Portland, 
that we have about the same income level in Belmont, uh, equal number of the dominant sexes, so males and females, right around the same amount. Um, we are whiter than Portland. We are younger than Portland. We are less married than Portland. We have less unemployment than Portland. We have less people on food stamps and more people have higher education in, the, in Belmont here. So a lot of upwardly mobile young people live in this neighborhood. Um, oh, by the way, this young, uh, this young woman, that's my granddaughter. <laughs> so she's not a waif, she's, she is funny. Proximity, so the thing is, proximity is a state of mind. So I can be alone, very, I was very much alone when I got here this morning, even though there were lots of people around, people that knew me and people that I'm getting to know and, and so on like that, but the proximity wasn't there because in my heart, it, I was just trying to navigate, just trying to make it through. Um, some hearts are alone. So we have an opportunity, an amazing, amazing opportunity uh, to look at that stereotypical person that we don't have a real fondness for and find the fondness points that we can until we fall in love. So how do we break a stereotype? Proximity, that's, there's the only, that's the only way to do it. You cannot mentally think your way there. You have to be around a person uh, to break that stereotype. Now, who owns this? place. Actually, it's my office. <laughs> yeah. So I am not a serial killer. I'm just a little bit, I'm just a little bit deranged, that's all. <laughs> uh, and that's taken, that's taken uh, four years ago. It's a little bit more cluttered now. Uh, so we live in a world of noise, fake news, voices, confusion, clutter. Um, there are 750,000 podcasts, different podcasts in America. And that's just a teeny, teeny, teeny bit of the noise that's going around in America. Um, 90% of the data that the world has ever accumulated has been accumulated in the last two years. So what we're living in is a world where people can't keep up. Nobody can keep up. And the harder you try to keep up, like on Facebook, the more depressed you come. We're discovering that as well. Uh, so we have this opportunity to get near people that are as confused or more so than we are, uh, that are as, uh, trying to escape the clutter just like we are. Uh, a world of people that, um, a world of people that need somebody to just care, just pay a little bit of attention. Um, and often we have said, all that they need is information. Uh, and they were saying, I just want somebody to see me. I just want somebody to notice me. Uh, they're good people, 
So what's the solution? It's not about information, it's about kindness. That's the whole answer. We want to give them information. Here's the information that a person on the street gets when they have to sit through a meal, to get, I mean, sit through a sermon to get a meal. The sermon is this, and they've told me this, and I've heard it from a hundred different people, because I ask, and the, the sermon is this. Uh, you're going to hell because of something you did wrong, and that's why you're here on the street, because of something you did wrong. But wait, the good news is, Jesus will reach down and pluck you out of your low estate. And then you get to go to heaven. Um, makes no sense, uh, makes absolutely no sense uh, to a person who cannot even conceive of any of that stuff. But we've been doing it over and over and over again. Native Americans are the most witnessed to, that's called witnessing, by the way. We, uh, Native Americans are the most witnessed to humans uh, in America, followed by people who live outdoors. So they don't need our information. They don't, for me, what they need on Wednesday night when I, when I hang out at the underground in downtown Portland, they need me to sit and laugh and to hear their stories and to tell my story along with them. They need me to eat the same food they eat and to, uh, even when I'm on the diet, which I am on the diet all the time except Wednesday nights for two hours. Um, what they need is they need somebody just to be real, somebody who can reach across that barrier because the barrier is impenetrable from, uh, from lower levels of society. When I say lower levels, it's not lower people, it's, it's people who have been pushed to a lower economic and social place. Um, and so it's the game. This is the whole game as far as I can see, which is being kind uh, to the point that people notice. If we have information we want to transfer, it, it can only be done uh, on the basis of actual relationship. It has to be done on the basis of actual relationship, which uh, in my personal experience, what I was doing was kind of tapping my foot. You know, yeah, go ahead, you know, talk. And when they were done talking, then I would give them the information that I thought they needed. Um, didn't work too well. Uh, and so I gradually realized that the reason I'm alive today is because there were a bunch of people that were kind to me. And no matter what I did, uh, you know, in the Jesus People movement uh, of the 60s, uh, what happened was you'd come into the church world, you would get saved, that is connected with Jesus, and then you would stop your drug use and alcohol use. Everybody did it, of course, except me. I'm the crash test dummy. Uh, and so, but there were people that loved me through all of that, uh, just because, I, I, I have no idea why, I just know that that happened. So what could an us look like? And what could your role be in this place in this time, let's think and let's talk. So you're here two months. Uh, you've got lots of time to begin to think of who you are and how you want to show up in this place and how you could be kind and how you could be loving 
so much so that people would notice that this is a safe place to come because they won't hurt me. I love you folks. I wish I was going to continue beyond today, but thank you. Thank you so much again, Ken. It's been awesome having him with us for these last, well, collection of five weeks. It's, um, and I hope we get to do it again. So, yeah. And you would absolutely be welcome all the time if you weren't already connected with another community and stuff. And, and we would only passively try to steal you from another faith community. But it's... Um, again, powerful stuff. Stuff that... Um, connects to kind of the core of, of who we long to be as a group. And um, so it can, it can push us in this way. When you describe and some of the things you say about our, our community here and this idea of um, kind of getting rid of the us and them uh, sort of thing, um, the best way we could put language to it when we first started gathering as a group of people, uh, we came across this, uh, ironically, um, it was it was corporate language. It was language that um, uh, a a group that was uh, out of Boston uh, it eventually became a gathering of churches called the Blue Ocean uh, Churches, and um, we were they they articulated an idea that we um, said oh that's that's it that's what that's how we're gonna think about this stuff because we always. Um, we always felt this, right? This, the, what you're describing, this idea of like being in church and, and then there's this, it's like you walk into the boundaries and, and, and if you'll play by the rules and, and not question too much, then you're welcome to be there. But the minute you start having the wrong kind of questions, um, you start not speaking the, uh, the secret codes, um, we noticed that there were certain people that were never, we just noticed they weren't there. And we're like, why are these folks not there? And it's because they weren't playing by the, the right rules. And so that we started understanding this, these two different ideas of how groups are gathered together. And one is, um, they call it bonded set. And in that set, the, uh, the leadership, their, their job is to zap you if you start to get outside the boundaries. Here's the boundaries, and this is the beliefs or the behaviors, and that, and that was the, the main idea. Is you, you zap them, and that's kind of what we see in a lot of dominant culture is that rule-maintaining. And then there's another idea um, that was called centered set. And in, to apply it to this, we would say that the center of, of what we do is, is Christ. We're moving towards that Christness, who Christ is, that sense of love, that sense of acceptance that Ken is talking about. And um, we as a leadership team we adopted that and no doubt this is frustrating to folks who have grown up in a center or in a bonded set setting because we're not zapping people when they get to the edges um and that's why because we love this idea and we don't pretend to have this mastered i'm challenged by ken's compassion and his grace and the broadness with which he uh because as, as much as we try to not have boundaries um, and just be moving towards Christ and go, whatever your trajectory is, wherever you're in that journey, we're trying to support. It's still hard because we still have our, our prejudices. We still have our uh, lenses and things that we look through. And so once again, you're challenging that and pushing on that for us. And I, and I hope you're, you're listening for that when Ken has been sharing and you allow that to push you a little bit. 
But um, what we normally do during this time is uh, just take a, really a song's worth of time to respond. And this can look any number of ways. We do have communion set up in the back. And so if you'd like to take communion, you're absolutely welcome to come back there um, and serve yourself communion. Otherwise, we just take this time and reflect and pray and respond or journal or whatever it is, however you want to respond. Um, and then we just close with a, a time of reading a scripture that we've been reading together for the whole year here. And so um, if you have the time, uh, take a moment and reflect on, uh, grab an idea that, that might have been challenging from Ken's time this morning and um, maybe sit with it, something that you're going to take with you uh, throughout this week. Um, but otherwise, we'll get to the time of reading scripture and we'll close out with that.